The great pandemic of COVID-19 in 2020 left us with a lot of new concepts and a lot of lasting scars. Forced lockdowns caused a lot of medium and small-sized businesses to close permanently, some to declare bankruptcy. A lot of people have still not returned to work. And there were a lot of new concepts that were introduced into the workspace. There was the concept of Zoom calls and working remotely and uh, all of these things. And there was going to school remotely and things of that nature. I would have, thought, I would have loved to have been able to go to school remotely back a half century ago. They just, they just think, they just think I'd have logged on to anything. But then it also brought us a lot of other concepts. And one of the concepts I was hearing a lot about lately is the concept of quiet quitting. And it's actually a new term for a very old concept. It describes that employee that exists in a state between actively engaged and actively disengaged. The concept of quiet quitting is one that just quietly steps away from their duties and their responsibilities. And if they do anything at all, they do just the bare minimum to get by. You know, the sad thing is that that concept has existed in the workplace for many years. And it's also a concept that's existed in the church for a great many years. Because over the years, there have been a lot of people that have just quietly quit the church. Think about what it's like when someone first becomes a Christian. If we're around, we're very conscious of their beginning, their walk with the Lord. We're elated by it. And we celebrate it. And we listen quietly and reverently as they confess their faith and Jesus Christ as the Son of God. We rejoice at their new birth and we watch as they're buried in baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And in various ways, we show our happiness and our joy that they are now a Christian. But are we even partially aware that not all of those who come to Christ Stay with Christ. That not everyone who comes to Jesus grows into a full-grown Christian man or a full-grown Christian woman. Often I think of those over the years that have earnestly and sincerely given themselves to the Lord. Those I've known that earnestly and sincerely gave themselves to Jesus Christ. Those that have faltered somewhere along the way. And when I do think about that, I feel a very deep sorrow. I think of many that I've studied with over the years. Many that I have personally walked down into the baptistry with over the years that have quietly quit the Lord. I remember 
some years ago. A lot of years ago. I wasn't still a boy preacher, but I was a lot closer to being a boy preacher than I am to where I am now. There was a young lady that had been coming to church, the congregation where I was preaching. And one Sunday evening, she said, I need to talk to you tonight after services. And I said, okay. So that night, following the dismissal prayer, we went to her aunt's house, and it was about 7.30. We talked until well after midnight. We consumed several pots of coffee. We sat there with the living room with open Bibles. And a little bit after midnight, she looked at me, tears coming down her face. She said, I want to be baptized. I want to be a Christian. By that time, it was 2.30 on a Monday morning. We started calling people on the phone and getting family members of hers out of bed to meet us at the church building to watch her be baptized, to witness her baptism. For a few years, she was faithful. And then the last time I asked, no one really seemed to know what had happened to her. No one really seemed to know where she ended up. She just gradually vanished. She quietly quit. And over the years, I've known many such examples. There are examples of just that same thing in our own city over the last half century. There are those who quietly quit the Lord. And I think about that. I think about those that I've known over the years that just quietly left, quietly quit. There was no fanfare. There was no big blow up. There was no big ugly scene. They just quit. I knew of a deacon in a congregation one time. A man faithful, a man devoted. A man and his family that never missed a service of the Lord's church. And then one day, they were nowhere to be found. They just left. I had a good friend once upon a time. He was a gospel preacher. He and his wife were some of the finest salt-of-the-earth people you'll ever know. They were very involved in foster children and children's homes and did so much good work in that way of doing things and did so many good things in the way of foster children. Then one day she said, I don't want to be married to a preacher. And they got a divorce. The last time I knew anything of them, he was, she was remarried. And he was a clerk in a convenience store. And neither of them ever attended the services of the church. 
I could go on and on. Elders I've known that have fallen away that just quietly quit. Preachers who've quietly quit. And yes, countless people in the pews that just one day quietly quit and left the Lord. And if we went around the room, everyone here knows of someone in their own experience that this would apply to. You see, here's the thing. The Bible speaks of the possibility of people falling away from the Lord. There are some religious groups that would tell us it is impossible to fall away after becoming a Christian. I've heard them teach that. Oh my, how I wish they were right. But you see, the Bible is quite plain on this subject. The Bible tells us quite plainly it's possible for a person to become a Christian and then falter by the wayside. Do you remember the closing verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 9? In case you don't, I'm going to remind us of what it was. It was from the pen of the Apostle Paul. And there was no greater Christian than the Apostle Paul. And he wrote, I buffet my body and bring it into bondage, lest by any means after I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. Then there's also Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again in the repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. Have you ever thought, have we ever thought how Jesus feels when someone quits? How Jesus feels when someone quietly quits being a Christian? I think those words from the Hebrew writer describe it so well. He's crucified afresh and He's put to an open shame. That's how my Lord feels. It was a terrible thing 2,000 years ago when those Jews had Him nailed to that cross. But when we leave Him, we crucify Him all over again. And in a very real sense, it's worse than when it happened originally. In that same Hebrew letter, there's another passage on this theme. You find it in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. For if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Over the years, there have been some folks that have found that passage hard to understand. And yet it's very simple. The passage simply means that if a man rejects Jesus, 
If he rejects Jesus' life, and if he rejects his death, and if he rejects his resurrection, there will be no new incarnation of Jesus. There's going to be no second coming of the Lord to live on this earth and redeem mankind. It's not going to happen. God's offer of salvation has been made. And if an individual turns their back on that offer, they can't be renewed to repentance. If we turn our backs on the cross of Jesus, there remains only the judgment and fierceness of the fire that follows. There's one more passage in that Hebrew letter that applies that I want to share. It's in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Do you remember what Jesus had to say to the church at Laodicea? It's in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and not cold or hot, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. Christians, once upon a time they were, but they became casual. They became careless. They became lukewarm. What Jesus said there is strong language, beloved. And it's not pleasant language. But it was justified. Peter also used some strong language to describe those who turn away from Christ. You remember Peter's background? He was a fisherman. So what Peter writes is a bit raw. It's almost uncouth. It's something that probably doesn't belong in polite society. And yet it's justified. Because it's describing something so terrible. It's in Second Peter chapter 2 verses 20 through 22. For if, if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse than the beginning. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after they've known it to turn away from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it's happened again according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. And there's another passage that we should mention. When Jesus was still living on the earth, Jesus walked one day from Galilee southward. And as Jesus walked from Galilee southward, He came in contact with and He met three men. And the three men, in Luke's account, beginning in verse 57 of Luke chapter 9, it came to pass, as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, 
I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said, Let the dead bury their dead, but go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home in my house. And Jesus said to him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Notice what these three men represent. One faltered in following Jesus because he learned he had to give up material goals. Another dropped out from following Jesus because of family. Another would not follow Jesus because of friends. Every one of these three men, each one of them was sympathetic to Jesus. Each one of them believed in Jesus. If anyone had said anything against Jesus, those men would have stood to defend Him. They were followers. But they were only followers up to a certain point. How did Jesus close the story? No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. These three men quietly quit and left the Lord. In our day and time, just like those three, there are those that quietly quit. And sometimes they're young people. They've been nurtured in Christian homes. They were brought to Sunday school through the years. They became Christians. And in the nature of things, as they grow older, they had more freedom. And after a while, their faith that seemed so promising in earlier years begins to wane. There comes a period of drifting. There comes a period of going to church if it's convenient and not going if it's not convenient. And there's still some loyalty to the Lord, but it's a second-hand loyalty. And there comes a time when God is completely left out. In later years, some come back to the Lord. Some never return. And sometimes those who quietly quit are mature people. As life crowds in, as responsibilities increase, the Lord gets left out. Jesus gets crowded out of life and the church takes a back seat. And after a while, those that were so faithful in early years aren't nearly so faithful. Some just drop out and quit altogether. They quietly leave. They quietly quit. And then sometimes they are old people. Often, as infirmities of the flesh creep upon us, folks feel like they're unable to attend services. Folks feel like they're unable to work for the Lord when really there is something they could do. And oftentimes folks stop too soon. But, really, 
Often it's not very kind to point this out to someone, is it? So we just usually don't say anything at all about it. We don't think about it. And they just quietly quit. What does all this mean? All this means that the Lord needs you. All of this means the local church needs you. It means there's work to be done. And the Lord can't spare a single one of us. Think if two men are carrying a heavy log on their shoulders. Think if Mike and I are carrying a heavy log. It wouldn't be real heavy if Mike and I were carrying it, but we're carrying a heavy log. And we've got it up on our shoulders. What would you think if we're walking along and Mike's in the lead and I'm behind him and all of a sudden I just drop my end of the log? I can tell you Mike wouldn't think much of it. I can tell you a real example of this. One year we went to an auction. They had built a new Walmart store over in Shreveport. And we went over there to an auction, me and Norma and a good friend of ours and his wife. It got to the point that when they would start to auction something, Norma and our friend, the two of them, she would look at me, Norma would look at me, and they would threaten me if I even acted like I was going to take a hand out of my pocket. I bought a whole roll of carpet, a brand new roll of carpet, 12 feet wide and about that big around. Brand new, still in the burlap. And I bought that whole roll of commercial carpet for $60. It's a good deal. Now, how are a bunch of country boys going to get that roll of carpet off of a trailer? Well, we only had one. We didn't have anything to do it with except just pick it up. So we got about five of us. And we got it all up on our shoulders. And we walked in the front door of our store building with it. And somehow we did not communicate who was going to set what down in the proper order. And everybody set their end down but me. And I was in front. And it catapulted me. I, I fell for about ten minutes. Well, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. The Lord needs all of us to carry our part of the load. The Lord needs all of us to shoulder our burden. The Lord needs my shoulders and the Lord needs your shoulders. So when you get tired, or when something comes along that disturbs you or upsets you a little bit, or when somebody judges you perhaps unjustly, or when somebody hurts your feelings. Or when you see hypocrites in the church. Just keep on serving the Lord. Just keep on carrying your part of the load. Because it's the Lord that needs you. And it's the Lord you're serving. And it's the Lord's work that you're doing. You and I need the Lord.
The Lord needs you and I, but you and I need the Lord too. We need Him while we live, but we're going to need Him especially when we come to the end of our journey. Can you think of a greater tragedy than to get to the end of the way? To be at the point that you're laying there cold and people are crowded around you. People are looking at your lifeless body. Can you think of a greater tragedy than people at a final viewing at the funeral home saying, well, you know, I remember when they used to be a faithful Christian. I remember when they used to serve the Lord, but they haven't actively served the Lord in a long time. There's a passage in Galatians where Paul says, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. We need to do everything we can every day to encourage each other to keep on laboring. But regardless of how much encouragement we give one another, ultimately, it's something inside us that has to happen. No one can make us go on. No one can make us serve the Lord. We've got to want to serve the Lord. It's got to come from inside. It's got to come from within us. What's your relationship to the Lord right now? Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of your life? Are you closer to quietly quitting or closer to being active in the Lord's service? I don't know what's going on inside of any one of us except me. But maybe there are changes you need to make in your life. Changes you need to make for Jesus to be Lord and Master of all of your life. And if there are those changes that need to be made, and if we can help you in making those changes, this is your opportunity to come and give us the opportunity to do that. Together we stand and while we sing.